Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome to Disciple Making. I'm Tim Beadle with my friend Darren Ride. Darren, uh, when I look on the internet, there's like a gazillion different Bible study methods, formats. Today we're going to land on one that you found to be very, very meaningful, and uh, I've started using it as well. Uh, so do you want to sort of launch us and we'll go from there? You betcha. And we have in the past, Tim, talked about Discovery Bible Studies and uh, we're revisiting it, so this is not a repeat of the same session. We're going to walk through what a discovery study is, what the process is, and then toward the end, I want to highlight a couple things that if you don't include that in the study, if you don't include it, certain part of the study in disciple-making, it just doesn't work. So so that's where we're going. Uh, some people might know these studies. They're also referred to as three-thirds studies because there's three distinct parts to the study or three, three broad strokes to the study, uh, but they're called discovery studies. Very similar methodology used around the world, and they are inherently disciple-making. In other words, if you're doing these studies in this way, you will be making disciples as, as a part and parcel of going through this process. Yeah, so maybe, maybe I can just stop there and ask our listeners uh, how many might even be, first of all, uh, familiar with uh, discovery, Bible study methods, and uh, maybe more importantly, which method in Bible study do you use right now? Is it like an inductive method? Is it whatever it is? You probably, maybe you've never landed on one. And if not, maybe that's a good thing because we're going to share one with you today that will guarantee that the people will move towards Christ or to maturity in Christ. So take us away, Darren. Sure. Uh, I found another, uh, you know, description of discovery studies. It goes like this. The three parts are to look back and report on the previous application that you followed through on from your previous study, to look up and see what God wants to say through his word, and then to look ahead and see how you're going to obey what God has revealed in the study. So that's a, that's a summary of what this discovery study is. It kind of covers a lot of bases there, doesn't it, Tim? Yeah, it sure does. So, uh, so let's start. All right. Well, let me just lay down some guidelines that, that we found are pretty important and where the pressure points are in our group that we're doing it with. Uh, basically, you're trying to get everybody to share uh, along the way, and you're focusing on the passage. Uh, this is really hard for church people to do because we've heard so many stories and so much background and so much Greek word this and that and all these kind of things, historical background. It's hard for church people to focus on the study, or pardon me, on the passage. The importance is if you're working with non-church people, that's the thing you have in common. You have the word in front of you and you want to always draw people back to the word and not inject a lot of extra biblical content. Does that make sense, Tim? Yeah. So you, you have basically have to let the word speak for itself and don't, uh, I, I was doing one of these studies just this past week um, on uh, Luke 15, uh, the parable of the lost sheep. And so as we started talking about, um, you know, the shepherd and, uh, you know, God is the shepherd. Uh, the person that I was doing the study with uh, started saying, do, do you know that actually uh, shepherds will break the legs of their sheep so that they won't run away? And uh, do you know that sometimes they'll just weigh them down as well? So I said, no, let's just stick with the Bible, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's not go off on these uh, bunny trails and tangents. Let the Bible speak for itself. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because what happens, Tim, and I've, I've probably done it as much as I've seen it, where you start using that background information to make the point as opposed to That's what right. the text says. And, you know, yeah. there are parts of the Bible where, in the Gospels, where Luke especially will say, hey, here's this background. Here's here's some background that's important. And, and my conviction is, Tim, if it was essential for us, it would be included. Not that I poo-poo yeah. historical background or original language. I'm a Greek geek from way back. But the word stands alone. That it, that it is that's functional. Right. It is it is able to save us and grow us and everything else by itself. Yeah. Now you know we do have to understand the context. I imagine of the uh, passage. Uh, for instance, I think last week and uh, throughout these podcasts, sometimes I talk about that poor fig tree in Mark eleven who wasn't wasn't he was growing leaves but bearing no fruit. Now the average person, if you didn't know that. Uh, fig trees, they grow their leaves and bear the fruit at the same time, that they could draw the wrong conclusion there. So I guess we do have to know a little bits, but not go off on a major tangent. Yeah. And I would say, Tim, to maybe push back slightly is, even if you don't have that knowledge, the, the story still makes sense in that the, the fig tree had no fruit. For whatever the reason, yeah. you know, like it had no fruit, there was an expectation that it would have had fruit. Yeah. I guess uh, it said it wasn't the season for figs, and because Jesus cursed it, it looked like he was having a bad day. Yeah, yeah, true. So one of those, one of, one of those Snickers moments, you know that Snickers commercial. Yes. Here, have a Snickers bar. You need, you need, you need to get some food in here, then you'll be feeling a lot better. But no, no, yeah, keep, keep leading. So this, so let let the word speak for itself. Yeah, yeah, and, and that that's really really important. And, and what that does, it you know over time people come word based and it becomes a corrective and yeah. it's very difficult for false teaching to creep in if you keep pulling back to the word again and again and again. So, so that's kind of the, you know, the framework. So you jump in, let's say you're doing a study with a group, you know, you'd have your usual, you know, what we call get acquainted or icebreaker questions. One of our favorites we've come up with lately, we, we heard from uh, uh, another, another person I'm studying under, they do a sharing question on high, low Buffalo. Okay. High points, low points, and then buffaloes. Buffaloes are just odd <laughs> things that happen in your week. Like if you saw a buffalo run down the road of most cities, that'd be unusual. So it gives people a chance just to get caught up. So we share that. And then we jump into sharing how we actually applied. We, we you know, The commitments to apply scripture or respond to what God was saying to us. Come back and share how we did with last week's application. And I'm finding that this is a very, very important part of the study, Tim. Yep, exactly. Okay. So we've got the word, let it speak for itself. Where do we go from here? Okay. So let's say we're doing a passage and we could use that Luke 15 passage. You'd read the passage, someone would read it, and then you get somebody, you know, you kind of turn the Bible over or close the page and ask someone to retell the story in as much detail as they can. And then when they're done that, the group fills in the details that are missed. So you've basically retold the story in detail. And this has a couple of reasons. One, it, it, it anchors it in your mind. And two, it actually helps you learn the story uh, and the raw details of it. Yeah. And then the first, the first question is, you know, when we jump into it, then, okay, folks, you know, what stands out to you? Anything jump out at you? And this is a fairly open question, just allows people to interact around, you know, around the passage on a pretty safe level. You know, Luke 15, Tim, what jumps out at you from Luke 15? Yeah. Well, there's the three stories, right? You got a sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. It's yeah. always something that was lost. I guess this would all also get people to be active listeners as well, where someone else is telling the story and they're actively listening on what they heard and what they know. So, so it's kind of a bit of an adventure, a bit of an investigation that we 
you know, where where we really want to make sure that we understand what the, the the Bible is saying. Yeah, yeah. And then this next question gets into the, really the study portion in a sense. And I love this question. You know, what does this passage tell us about God, Jesus, or His plan? Okay. And that's that's a I mean that's a fresh question. You know, I'd never come across a question stated quite like that in the same way. And and people really dig into this question. And again, if you're just operating from the word, everybody's on the same quote, same page, literally, figuratively, and can just draw from the passage what the answer to that question is. It's a great question. Yep, it is for sure. Okay, so this starts expanding uh, the way we look at the scripture. It gives us some sort of uh, lenses to look through. And uh, yeah, so keep leading on. Yep, sure. Let, let's just maybe park on Luke 15 for a second, Tim. Again, it's a familiar passage. Yeah. We haven't read it. But it's got the story of the lost, you know, the lost coin and the lost uh, sheep and the lost son. Yep. And, you know, what does it say about God, Jesus, or his plan? Well, you know, we, we see at the beginning of that passage, Jesus was responding to to some religious people who had trouble with the kind of people Jesus was hanging out with. That's right, exactly. That That's how it started, I know. Yeah, those uh, sinners, those tax collectors and all the rest of them, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so it does, you know, it does tell us that this story really is about the heart of God, you know, the, the desire to, and Jesus states it explicitly in the passage about rejoicing, this whole idea yeah. of rejoicing about someone who's found. So again, if you put yourself in the, in the shoes of a seeker, someone who is really exploring their faith, something as simple as that passage, I mean, one of the most profound passages in scripture really can really turn the lights on and help them understand God's heart for them just by asking that yeah. question. Yeah. It is. And well, it's a very rich, rich passage. You know, there's just, I think, eight verses there, but you can learn so much about God and humanity in, in those. But we're, we're looking here at God rejoicing, uh, pursuing, and, and, and all the other things, you know, just, uh, you know, picking up that lost sheep, uh, drawing us back. Like, like there, there's a lot of ways you can go there for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, one of, as you know, Tim, one of the big barriers in people's hearts and minds for both coming to faith and growing in their faith is, understanding God's heart toward them, yeah. you know? And so, so asking this question, whether it's about the Luke 15 passage or many others really begins to surface what God really is like. And it's a, like I said, we found it to be an excellent discussion question. The, the next piece is, uh, you've kind of alluded to it already. Yeah. What does this passage tell us about humanity, about people, yeah. about, about us? And, yeah. you know, some passages will say more or less, but going back to the Luke 15, what are some, some things that jump out telling us about people there? Yeah, well, the fact that the the one sheep was lost uh, sort of talked about our tendency to maybe wander away a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Uh, that was the one that we came up with this week. Just there's a tendency. And, you know, when, when you look at human experience, you, you can see how, you know, we're selfish at sometimes. We like doing it the way we don't like being told. Uh, sometimes we don't want to hang out with the crowd, the flock, as it were. And uh, But we have this tendency to, to wander. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I would say, you know, that passage as well, going to the pre-parable portion where Jesus was interacting with these people where they had a problem, I think that passage does reveal to us that there's something about us and how we're wired that we really like to be drawing an us-them line. Yeah, We, we like to draw lines uh, between groups of people, whether it's races or religions, that, that in fact, God doesn't draw the line in the same way but we like to divide in so many cases. And, you know, that's something else that jumps out of that passage to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. And the deeper you go, you know, and, and this is why it's called a discovery, 
Bible study because you can read it at different levels. And as you go back, there, there's this is the beautiful thing about God's word, Darren. It's a living word, and God really wants to communicate to us through it. He uses, you know, uh, pictures and word pictures that we can relate to. And then we sort of just start going deeper and deeper and identifying with different parts in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so once you, you know, once we've kind of worked through any answers to that question, the next question begins to move towards application that's not fully there. And the question that we have got to say is this way, what encourages me yeah. from this passage that I'm on track or challenges me personally to change? So, yeah. so we're basically looking in the mirror here and saying, okay, how do I see myself in relation to this passage? What says, uh, you know, attaboy, good job. What says, hey, smarten up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if, if we go into this um, passage, the fact that the, uh, you know, the shepherd was willing to leave the 99, mm. um, it, it just talks about the tender relationship that God has for each of us that, uh, you know, if I had 99% of my flock, when I got home at night, I'd say, okay, that's not a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> but but not, for, not, not so for God. Everyone is special, and he's willing to spend extra time bringing back the one that had wandered. So mm. I know that, 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 that warms my heart for sure. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, you know, then we move to the application or action portion where you, you look at, um, you know, the passage, the lessons of the passage, everything you've studied and ask the question, what will I do specifically as a result of this study? And, and, or tied to that is with whom should I share this story and, and what I've yeah. learned. And so this then takes the word and then, in a way encourages us and challenges us to bring it into our life outside and beyond the study and moving to application, right. which is a critical part. Yeah. And this is the neat thing. I believe, um, I think, uh, in other podcasts earlier on, we talked about the learning wheel, uh, like what has God said to me and then what am I going to do about it? So this isn't, um, sort of an event. It's more of an experience So when we read God's word, uh, he has something to say to us personally that we can take away with. And then, you know, this this discovery uh, methodology is so easy that it's easy to replicate and repeat to other people. Yes. Um, you know, you don't need to be a, a biblical scholar. And But, hey, do you want to hear a story I was thinking about and what I'm learning about myself and God and what challenges me and encourages me? Like, you can say that in one mouthful of words, and it's yeah. so pregnant with, with meaning that um, – I think people will actually get excited about doing this more and more. That, that that's what I believe. As oh, long yeah. as they're willing to, as long as they're willing to apply it, otherwise it just becomes head knowledge, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's what's nice about this methodology, Tim? We've had people in our group who, as far as I know, have never led a study, and they facilitated this, and it's worked just fine. Because you're, you're oh, okay. not, in a sense, yeah. teaching. You're just asking questions yeah. to surface what's in the word. Yeah, you're facilitating a, a, a walk yeah. through the Bible, which takes yeah. a lot of pressure off those who are confronted with, I don't know what to say, I won't have all the answers. Well, you don't actually need all the answers in this, because yeah. let the Bible speak for itself. As long as people don't draw really radical conclusions that are unorthodox, mm. but I guess that's where the whole group maybe can speak into maybe keeping down the center of this, the, the road rather than falling into a, the odd ditch here and there. Well, yeah, I mean, basically any answer has to be tied back to the word, you know, and if they yeah. go off track and say, well, where is that found in this passage? Or, you know, help us understand how you get that out of this passage and, and, and yeah, put some, yeah. you know, some pretty good fences there and say, we're tied to this passage. But Tim, this, this really brings me to the thing that I'm learning is so essential 
both in this study and in larger disciple making. At the end of the study, we have these, this application where we say, what will I do? We have what's called an I will statement. I will blank as a result yeah, okay. of this passage. And then the next week, we repeat it back. You know, we say how we did with that I will statement. What I'm learning, Tim, is that application and accountability like that is not common in the church world right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in terms of follow-up, well, I guess we're so busy. And, you know, like even in a sermon, right? Uh, you know, you sort of um, give the message, uh, but where's the follow-up? Where's the personal accountability? Where, where are the I statements? Like, like it just doesn't go there. And so we're not, we're not used to that. Uh, do you find people get threatened by that? Or Yeah, well, I, I, think, I think we've been conditioned, maybe even trained not to apply we, we get so much information. I mean, a, a lot of sermons, a lot of preachers are preached in 30, 45, sometimes 60 minutes. That's a lot of content. And they're, you know, we're, we're often high on content and low on application. And it might be an entertaining message. It might be even a biblical message, but there's no application that comes and calls me to respond. And we are, we're yeah. conditioned to do that. And it's, it's a hard pattern to break. Yeah. Well, when you think of the Bible, it, it talks about that when we read the Bible, it doesn't return to the Lord in vain, as it were, mm. uh, which means that uh, he intends for some response to be made. And, uh, you know, as I met with the uh, person I was doing this study with this week, I said, you know, as we look in the, in the word, there's probably one of four or five things there is uh, like, a le- what, is there a lesson to learn? Is there a command to obey? Is there a promise to claim? Mm-hmm. Is there behavior to change? So by just sort of teeing up those many points, it gets them thinking rather than, because a lot of people, as you said, they aren't used to doing this. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I find that's helpful. Yeah. Well, I've come across this phrase, Tim, called obedience-based disciple-making, which is an interesting phrase because part of disciple-making is teaching to obey everything Jesus commanded. And so if it's not obedience-based, it's not actually disciple-making. Okay. That disciple-making is actually calling people to obey. And I was, I was talking with one of my, my new mentors, uh, Damien Gerke. He's written a book called In the Way, which I'm, we're probably going to talk about at some point. I was having a talk with him. I said, you know, one thing I'm realizing is that, you know, if, if we don't do this application and accountability for application, it just doesn't have the same effect. And he made a fairly strong statement, Tim. I'll see what you think of this. He said, if you're not willing to bring people to the point of application and accountability when it comes to disciple making, you may as well just quit right now. Oh, well, I haven't, I haven't heard anyone say that, but, but when you think of it, right, we're, we're always scared of pushing people away. But when you look at the, uh, the way Jesus taught, some of his were pretty hard sayings, and the crowd says, what? And, 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 and they left, and he let them go. But that wasn't because of his methodology. It's because they didn't want to be challenged to that point. So no. uh, I guess that puts... Not so much pressure, but intentionality on the one who's doing the discipling to bring people to that point of accountability, follow-up, and realizing that uh, this is about uh, developing our character and our conduct uh, to be more like Jesus. Because after all, um, you know, we are to follow him, to imitate him as well. Yeah, yeah, and accountability, let's, let's, let's unpack what that means, because that is, that is, you know, there's a lot of baggage around the word of accountability Basically, what we're saying in relation to this, when you're studying the Word, 
you know, in the group or even on your own, you're learning to hear God's voice. <laughs> you're learning yeah. for the spirit to take God's word and call you to specific application. And so accountability, when we're talking about it, is that we are working with you and walking with you and praying with you and checking in on you to see if you're obeying what God's revealed to you. Yeah. And that is really, you know, the core of growing together. And isn't that actually what growing together is? <laughs> Rather than you grow your direction, I'll grow mine. We're actually growing together. And that's why I'm excited now. Like I've entered into a, uh, a weekly connection to do this uh, discovery Bible study method. And I'm already anticipating and excited about the next time we gather because uh, we can reflect on what we've learned, what we've committed to do. And then uh, we enter into the next passage. And we've already decided in advance what we're going to be reading. So it isn't like uh, cold turkey come in. Okay, let's flip over the, over the Bible. We decided in advance what passage we're, we're actually going to do. Hmm, yeah. No, and I would just say, Tim, to land for my end anyway, whether you're doing a discovery Bible study or a personal Bible study or, you know, some other input way of intaking the word to always be asking the question, Lord, what, what are you saying to me? Yeah. Where are you calling me to obey you next? Yep. Because that is the heart of the Christian life, hearing from God and responding. Amen. And I think as we train people to do that, we are in fact making disciples. Yeah. Now I have a question of you, Darren. Yeah, does this only work with narrative passages? Um, because, uh, you know, you go into the Psalms and some of them, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You yeah. sort of have to know stuff to go through that and something like that. So are we really just talking about narrative passages, the parables, stories that we can, uh, gain insight from, or, um, what, what, what's your wisdom on that? Well, my experience is with narrative passages for sure. Yeah. I know when we start, like there, there's a list of, uh, and, and there's different lists depending where you go, but there's one list called 10 stories of hope. Yeah. You know, which is 10 stories from the life of Jesus. And then there's other ones. But um, my sense is that some of the questions will have more answers depending on the kind of passage you're looking at. Yeah, exactly. You know, like there's going to be things that stand out in any passage. There will be things probably about God or Jesus or his plan in a lot of passages. Yep, exactly. You know, something about people and then, you know, something that encourages or challenges. So yeah, I can't speak beyond my experience because we're still in the 10 stories of hope. I think we've gone through about six of them in our group. Yeah. And the studies have been good and we're moving beyond that. And so I'll have to, you know, just take a pass on that. But my, my sense is asking the right questions surfaces the answers and gives yeah. God a chance to work on you. That's right. And I think even as a leader, um, uh, as I was looking through a familiar passage, like Luke 15 is very familiar to me. I, I still learn new stuff, even mm -hmm. though, so it isn't like, okay, this is, I'm just doing this for the other person. Uh, God still wants to speak to each of us at maybe a different level at a different time, depending on what these circumstances are in our life or experiences. And therefore, uh, I think you enter into, well, after all, it is called discovery for a reason. Mm -hmm. There should be a sense of expectancy on everyone who comes for these studies, whether it's doing it yourself or others, that the God wants to reveal himself to you afresh and anew. And uh, you can learn from it, but you have to be willing to obey. Otherwise, again, it, it's just an exercise in uh, same old, same old, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, I've, you know, I've I've been long enough in the Word that there's some days, you know, on the personal level, there may not be something that jumps out and grips me every single day, uh, but there is certainly an accumulated um, call to obey. That you know, as I come to forks in the road through the day, I am coming to 
opportunities to obey or disobey things I've already learned and known. So I think, think it always comes back to how is God calling me to obey today and in this moment and a commitment that I will do that. That is, again, what a disciple is. That's how we grow and calling people to do that. I'm, I believed him more and more that that is really the heart of disciple making, yeah. uh, calling people to obey Jesus. Yeah. And also, I think uh, I'm, I'm going to be preaching on the Holy Spirit in a couple of weeks and just looking about the role of the Holy Spirit within us. You know, uh, he does um, obviously counsel us and comfort us, but he also brings back things to our memory that we've committed to learn. And um, I think the Holy Spirit is is a central active partner in Discovery Bible yeah. Studies uh, because he is actively working in us, conforming us into the image of Jesus, the one uh, who we are a disciple of and one who mm-hmm. we're trying to imitate. So I just wanted to add to that as well. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I think uh, praying and quieting your heart before and after we do such a study is vital to make sure that we're giving the spirit space to do his work as well. Amen. Uh, that's a great landing, Tim. And I would just add to that. Yeah. The whole expectation that the spirit will work. It is yeah. the sword of the spirit and yeah. it cuts and it hammers and it burns and it, the Lord uses the word in the hands of the spirit to do his work in our life to make us more yeah. like Jesus. Well, there we go. Discovery, uh, Bible study methods. Uh, when was the last time you really discovered anything from the Bible when you read it that you applied, as Darren has mentioned? And for those of us who are leading people in Bible study uh, activities, uh, can we maybe step up and realize uh, to hold people accountable as we are going to be held accountable in our teaching. It's, it says in the Bible, those who teach are, are going to be judged more uh, strictly, perhaps, because God wants life response. And that mm-hmm. happens when you have a discovery. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Hope to see you around next time on Disciple Making. I'm Darren Ride here with Tim Beadle. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or ChristFollowerDNA.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.